Where are you going? I've got to return some videotapes. Salutations and welcome to a special episode of Late Fees. This is our Mission Impossible retrospective episode, and I know this is a very unorthodox way to open this episode, but some very unorthodox things happen. I, I think this is a, a very fitting episode that's happened on. So we did this episode a couple of days ago, and we cut it, and everything was cool. We all high-fived each other. We all you know laughed and hugged and, you know, kissed each other and left and then something strange happened when we re-listened to the audio uh there was a huge massive audio malfunction we all panicked we all weeped and cried but you know this was a impossible mission and we chose to accept it and we just cut out the first 10 or 15 minutes of this episode so uh of course as you all know, we're doing a retrospective of this episode in collaboration with Arclight Cinemas uh, for the new movie Mission Impossible Fallout. And uh, we are basically running down every single Mission Impossible film up to that point. Uh, me, myself, uh, Wes, uh, Pat, and Eric were tasked with picking a different Mission Impossible movie. We were going to talk about the tropes uh, and all of the funny things that happen in these movies because they're very ridiculous. And we're going to figure out if, we're, if these movies are worth seeing, if they're, if they're worth keeping, or should we disavow them? So... Uh, and the first couple of minutes of this is just basic uh, kind of rabble-rousing and banter. So you didn't really miss anything. That's the best part about it. Uh, the only thing that we missed is at the beginning of the Mission Impossible 1 conversation, which is the movie that I picked. So what we're going to do is we're going to cut everything up perfectly, almost as if I was wearing a mask and I'm Tom Cruise and I'm walking into a Russian facility and I have to grab the audio out of somewhere. So just imagine that you're automatically into this episode, okay? Give yourself a couple seconds to bring yourself up to speed, and we're going to get right into, magically, where we first start talking about Mission Impossible. Uh, I'm going to be describing the movie, and from there, you're, you're good to go. So thank you all for listening, as, as always. Uh, this is the latest episode of The Late Fees. Uh, I'm Justin, of course, and Wesley, Pat, and Eric are on the other line. We're all waiting. Thank you for listening. See you next time. In all of the movies and all the Mission Impossibles, we'll be, we'll be explaining them this way. Basically, it is a continuation of the Mission Impossible TV series that none of us have watched, except Eric, uh -huh. uh, where, where John Phelps is still on board as John Voight. John Voight's character is John Phelps. And basically... Is it Jim? Is it Jim? It's Jim, Phelps. it's Jim Phelps. It's Jim Phelps. Isn't Jim and John the same? Isn't, There's like they? one Mission Impossible TV fan that's going to be mad, so that's why I corrected you. Oh, I, he's, probably, he's probably dead, too. That movie came out a long time it, it, ago. It was a show for and by Baby Boomers at the time. Yes. I, I got to watch it in my, in my house. My dad was a huge fan, but I, uh, I always went and watched Kid Smart instead. So, so um... Basically, cool story, I <laughs> IMF, the IMF, which is, what, what, Wes, what does the IMF stand for? 
impossible impossible mission force. <laughs> just just saying it out loud. Yeah. The IMF is sent to do it to uh, basically go undercover to find something. And there's always a MacGuffin in these movies, the knock list. And for anyone who doesn't know what a knock list is, it's like a non-official cover list where it shows you all the people who are undercover. Yeah, it exposes all the agents um, across the globe. That are not officially undercover or something like that. Because they don't really explain it very well in a movie at they all. They probably to... shouldn't have a list like that. At all. <laughs> just just, hang, just hanging around. <laughs> so they they go to Prague, to, Prague to, to basically uh, do this mission. Every, all of Tom Cruise's uh, team dies, and he's the only one that survives. IMF thinks that he is behind the actual, he's the mole, and he's behind the actual sabotage of the mission, and from there, the movie goes off on 100 miles per hour. Uh, it's a crazy movie. Again, there is a scene where Tom Cruise is trying to find out what the, the code of Job 314 means. He looks up and sees a Bible and spends all night <laughs> typing in the scripture of Job 314 into an email and sending it to at, at job, Job314 on an email. Yeah. That's not how email works. <laughs> that's <laughs> literally not how it works at all. It did, baby. Um, I think that's why I, I contend one is still the best. I think uh, it holds up as the, uh, the, the blueprint that is impossible to uh, surpass. Um, and yeah, with the internet stuff, I mean, this was, 96 was... It was when AIM was popping. Yeah, like AOL was just really starting to blow up. I think in like ninety five, like ninety five, we really saw like uh, the paranoia of the internet, and I think De Palma traffics and paranoia. That's yeah. like his his jam, and I think he was less concerned about like how technology worked and more just what that meant for like surveillance and identity theft and hacking and shit. Like the year before, we had hackers, uh, Johnny Mnemonic, The Net. Like there's a bunch of like. <laughs> Big movies about like no one understanding what the fuck the internet was. Yeah, we didn't really know. Yeah, it was just like chat rooms, yeah, and scary email and shit. And like, yeah, that De Palma like really laced this movie with paranoia about you know the incoming Y two K. The millennium was right around the corner in ninety six, and like, uh, yeah, there's a brutality to this movie. Like the way that Ethan's team dies, like Emilio huh. Estevez gets like two electronic prongs <laughs> through the mouth in an elevator. It's, it's rough. That death is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that's All of them are. Like, the, the movie is, it's a, it's a hard PG-13. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's insane that's PG-13. Was that yeah. Mr. Palma's first PG-13 movie? Because he goes Maybe. for it, you know? I it's think like, so, yeah. I yeah, think so. I remember seeing that in the theaters and being like, holy shit, because I was a kid. Yeah. And, I was uh, 10. Yeah, that, that death in particular was like, pretty hardcore there's some pretty horrific stuff in the movie like, i mean a woman gets stabbed that, that uh, stabbing scene's really it's, bad it's very very up close yeah, yeah. Um, reno's like serrated blade like cutting ugh. people open yeah. john Boyd's dead when the fucking uh helicopter smashes on him in the spoiler rim. alert yeah. uh I, i'm pretty sure you guys could guess this 20. john Boyd was behind the whole thing yeah <laughs> if you haven't seen, it's a 20 year old movie i have yeah. we, we're spoiling the shit of all of these Let, let's talk about the technology as well we're on the, the tech aspect of it yeah Exploding C4 gum, baby. Red light, oh, green light. That's iconic. <laughs> Honestly, that's that's my favorite quote from the entire series because it's it's not red light, green light. It's red light, <laughs> green light. Yeah, he, just, he, just, he all of a sudden became a quarterback. Like it made no sense. Like no one told him he had to deliver that line reading. The like that. scene where you actually see the the gum for the first time. It's a very it's a very tight and cool scene. 
Tom Cruise, by the way, a complete asshole is Ethan Hunt in this movie. I think he tones it down a little bit in later movies. Not Ghost Protocol. He's a complete <laughs> asshole in that one. Um, but he, and during the whole dinner, the IMF agent is, you know, he's basically talking to him like, hey, I, you know, I could, I could set your family up and they could be good for life. They'll be on the ranch. And he's like, so why are you asking me how to do this? He pulls the gum out. Mind you, they're in a restaurant filled with people. Innocent people. It's a water. It's like it's like a has a big aquarium with like sharks and shit in it. Mm-hmm. He throws the fucking gum. Why does the whole restaurant fill with water? Like it's like a fucking <laughs> water level in Super Mario. Like he jumps out of it, and that's one of his big action scenes. You can tell he wanted to do that shit. Yeah. Jumps out of the whole thing. The whole thing is submerged in water. Excellent scene. The technology a little bit fluky as far as how that gum works. How could gum cause an explosion that big? I think that's how it works. No. <laughs> no. It's a, it's a concentrated chemical. You see what it does to our teeth if we chew too much. You have to uh, hyperinvigorate it with some, with some explosives. Yeah. If you leave a penny in a can of Coke overnight, the penny disintegrates. No way. No way. Shut up, Pat. <laughs> Imagine what it's doing to our bones, man. Oh, no, um, God. Yeah, there, there's a ton of, like... Action iconography in this movie, like this is the movie that we see that was parodied a million times later, where Tom, you know, dangles over the uh, the the uh, sensory room. Yeah, yeah. He's dangling oh, up an inch away it's from great. The it that, still that gives me chills. It's, it's still really, it's really good. That, still fluky in in the way that that whole that whole heist works. Great heist scene though, by the yeah. way. Um, they had to give the the guy who worked in the well. Okay, let's get to the room itself. It's pressure sensitive room. Yeah. And it also is temperature sensitive. So if it can detect, if someone's on the ground, and it can also detect that there's body heat there that doesn't belong there. Yeah, and it's ret- retina skin. And it's retina skin. Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> eight layers of security. They have to break in. It's in Langley, Virginia, with the CIA building. They have to break into what? Retrieve a disc of names. Again. Yeah, he, he has to get the list. Le- Le- the Langley, as, <laughs> as noted by Ving Rhames. Yeah. The, the in one in Virginia? Introduction scene. <laughs> yeah, Langley, Langley. And as a kid from Virginia, I remember hearing that in uh, the theater and like getting really excited because I used to get excited when Virginia was referenced. <laughs> all three times. All three times. <laughs> yeah, Big Rams, I say, Langley, Langley. Like, in the one like, in Virginia? It's like an absolute exposition dump. It's so funny. So they have to basically... Gives the and it's not like a, not a sedative. It's like a uh, what's what's the what's yeah, they the gave word? Him, um, like a diuretic. So a di- a diuretic, shit, shit but makes him throw up too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they give the, they give it to the guy, and the and the time period it takes for it to work is really fluky because he almost actually gets into the room the first time when Tom Cruise is going down. The logistics of this also has uh, Jean Reno, who's also in the movie, holding Tom Cruise up by a rope. Pulling him down. He's repelling him. While, while there's a rat. While there's a rat him. there. <laughs> the rat dies oh. off screen, by the way. Well, you like, see him when he, the, rat, the rat is climbing towards John Renaud. He, that's when he drops him and Tom dangles really close to the ground. But he, you see him like make a swiping motion at the rat. So you think he killed it that Do rat. you think they took that scene out because they didn't want Peter to have give him any flack? Brian De Palma does not care. He is a, a barbaric man. <laughs> he probably wouldn't care. But if that's what took it from being PG-13 to R amidst all those brutal deaths that yeah. he filmed and let the camera linger over their bodies, uh, that's pretty wild. But that scene gets us to our first Mission Impossible trope, 
waiting for things to load into a disk or into a file or something. Yeah. You are waiting it. for it to hit 100%. The biggest villain in Mission Impossible is load time. Yes. <laughs> Everything <laughs> has to load. In fact, it, it, the trope happens twice because they mm-hmm. wait to, to load the Noculus on the train at yeah. the end of the movie. Oh, and he has the jammer on the, on the cell phone. And you're like, okay, so how many times are they going to prolong this just for dramatic effect? Ving Rhames actually has to move off the car, and that's when they realize, oh, shit, he's the one who's jamming everything. But he doesn't get an action scene. He actually gets the one who gets to hand over the disc to the actual authorities yeah. to get undisavowed, which is another one of the tropes that happens and starts in this movie. It's agent, agents getting disavowed. How do you guys feel about this trope? Tom Cruise is literally fired from the IMF. Every almost, movie. Almost, I don't know if he's fired in two, but it's... Is he, no, he has to be because he's the one who he withholds the Chimera virus. He's the one who takes it. No, but he's never fired. He's just too busy like having uh, romantic uh, Porsche races. Oh, okay. on <laughs> <Spain>. <laughs> insane. We'll get into that. But yeah, the uh, what were you saying? What? He's just like he's either fired from the IMF or uh, the IMF like self destructs, and everyone's <laughs> just like, "Up! Oh, if you're an IMF agent, they're gonna kill you and just run." And that's literally the plot of almost every mm-hmm. movie. Um, is this? <clears throat> and I, and I, I remember thinking this when I was a kid. I had no clue like what to think of this until I was an adult. I really don't think I got it until I'm, I'm 31 now. I don't think I understood fully, completely what happened in this movie until I watched it this week. Is this the most convoluted? It's definitely the most convoluted of all the series. Is this the most convoluted movie like ever of, of like a big major action franchise? Like A lot of times you're watching this and it's like, what the fuck is going on? I think... It's very confusing. As a kid, I didn't really get a yeah, lot of what was going on. I didn't on. get it. And it's very much a De Palma movie. Mm-hmm. He got he gets away with stuff like in this like mainstream action movie that most people wouldn't get away with. And it's so weird that this is the movie that starts this huge popcorn franchise. Yeah. Like a lot of the movie is spent with Ethan Hunt like coveting another man's wife. Palma <laughs> 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 baby. And that's so De Palma. Yeah. But she is uh, Manuel Biart. I think that's how you yeah. say her name. Uh, she plays Claire in the movie. She's beautiful. And she, she's killed at the end. She, but the, you know what's funny about that death? Is that Phelps could have shot. Yeah. They could, he could have shot Ethan the whole time. He chooses to shoot her anyway. Yeah. And just kills her and for no reason. That's very De Palma. Yeah, like he's the, the king of icing women and like set the bar, set the standard for the rampant sexism in this whole franchise. <laughs> uh, I know two is especially rough. We'll talk about that. But like, yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Wes. It's like a, a test. Of, not a, it's like a... Um, indicator of, of De Palma-isms where it's like, like I said, he was more concerned about the paranoia from yeah. the technology than the tech itself. Like, yeah. it, the, an hour of that movie is no action. It's like, Ethan, like, succumbing to paranoia, like, freaking out, having hallucinations in his own hotel room yeah. for like an hour. Like, when, he, there's like no action for a good 45 minutes. When Claire shows up and he points a gun and at he, her. He breaks the lamp so she he hears her walking, but then he sees her as Jim first. Yeah. <laughs> It's he's yeah. out of his mind. Yeah, you know, it, it is a twisted movie. Like it, it's, it's a like paranoid a, movie. Yeah, it it is more about like the psychology of this, and that's a great point. It's like it is a psychological thriller, and that led to the yeah just being this the the rest of the installments being a silly popcorn. Uh, so here, movies. here's what we'll do for every entry we talk about. Are we keeping this one? For people to watch in case they they want to check out Fallout, you keep this oh, one. Oh yeah, you have to. Oh watch yeah, this one. absolutely. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, keep... you could probably see Fallout without seeing it because the thing is, like Ethan Hunt as a character, like, so different. He's not really the same guy each movie. I have a theory on 
I think some of the movies Ethan's the same guy, and some of the movies he's like a totally different guy. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get into that later. Much like his haircuts, he he also changes his like personality. Like the avatar of Ethan Hunt changes. Uh, but yeah, you have to watch one. It sets the tone. It doesn't even set the tone because it is its own sort of '70s spy thriller kind of film. But it's like yeah, it's super plot dense. And the fact that De Palma was choreographing that action, I don't think he's ever really done a big action movie like that, like to that scope. Yeah. And yeah, I think it holds up. It's I would say it's my favorite to this day. Yeah, it's, it's so different. It's so different. So um, now that we go from one, we we'll just let's just go to two. I feel like two is gonna be the one we spend the most time on oh, here. Yeah. Mission Impossible Two, uh, directed by John Woo. Baby. Uh, very interesting. <laughs> very interesting movie in itself. Came out in two thousand, so they, they waited a couple years to do this again. Uh, the, the main story of this is uh, Ethan Hunt is once again recruited by IMF. Uh, if you remember in the first one, he actually quits. You know, he doesn't come back in the first one. He doesn't choose to take the mission at the end. They find him. They want him to find and destroy a biological weapon called the Chimera Virus from a rogue uh, IMF agent called... His name is Sean Ambrose, I believe, played by Dugray Scott, who I think everyone saw a lot in. He was supposed to be Wolverine at one, at one point uh, like, back in the day. Like, prolific... Late 90s, early aughts villain. Oh, yeah. He is. He's a Skeet Ulrich yeah. of this. <laughs> he wins the Skeet don't, Ulrich Award. Don't put him in the same category. <laughs> Skeet is a golden guy. Yeah. Protect Skeet at all costs. The man's name is Skeet, for Christ's sakes. So uh, he, he, wants to, he wants to do this. And, and, uh, and this one, this is more, is more of like a it's very sequel, sequel-y in the fact that there is a sidekick here. But it is a Tom Cruise, really, it's like this, or Ethan's girlfriend, really, in the movie. Uh, her, her name is Naya. And she is basically in the middle of, of this kind of love triangle between yeah. <laughs> these two these two guys in the movie. And uh, I'll, I'll just let you guys go in on this. I, I think this movie is really the worst of you, all the Mission Impossible. You, you start. You. Yeah, I, I was sort of, when we were kind of delegating which ones we wanted to defend and talk about, I could defend all five of them. Yeah. In theory, I think they're all great in their own way. I think this is the most polarizing and divisive one. For, and for good reason. Like, even on an ironic level, it's really bombastic it's john woo at the peak of his like american uh action trilogy like he's done more than three but like it went broken arrow face off and then mission impossible and it was downhill after this yeah he did wind talkers after it. no but then he did paycheck which you like i do like paycheck yeah. a lot but i mean <laughs> people haven't even heard of it right exactly and i think he went back to china after this because i will not apologize for the amount of time i spent talking about paycheck <laughs> in the ben as you shouldn't uh, you might need to but I, I have this theory like if 96 was tom at like the crest of his powers like he had just become i think the biggest star in the world like Jerry Maguire and Mission Impossible 1 that same year. I think... Show me the money! (laughs) Uh, I think 2000 was like him, that star power of going to his head finally. Like, he he was fresh off an Oscar nomination for Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. That's why he still had the TJ Mackey haircut. Yeah, the haircut. Which, like, you guys called him the fuckboy haircut. He was literally the fuckboy of Magnolia. Yeah. and that's, if, that's funny. <laughs> I didn't think about that. Uh, and, and it was also like him coming off a string of non... He did uh, Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut, Magnolia, and I think The Firm right after? I mean, yeah. The Firm was before. But like he did like a string of non-action movies, and I think you know this was John Woo seeing this, this film star who really was, doesn't exist anymore. He was like the most powerful on-screen presence we had known. Will Smith was sort of coming into that role, but it was still Tom all the way. Hint, like, hint, w- hint, 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 hint. Uh, Next episode, Will Smith. Uh, 
But yeah, I mean, this movie's absolutely insane. It's the things we love about John Woo, the bombastic set pieces with doves and fire for no reason. <laughs> I mean, literally, <laughs> literally in the first five minutes of this movie, the cold open, we have Tom in Christ-like imagery. He's dangling. He's he's doing free base climbing uh, with no no safety gear. He's dangling. <laughs> And he like falls but catches himself like Christ. His arms behind him. Sorry. He uh, his, he, t- his he tore leg, his shoulder doing that. Yeah, his legs sort of bent up. Like it's like oh, this is he's the Christ. Of the seven. way that that is shot and the way that other stuff in like the desert or whatever in this movie is shot <laughs> has aged just remarkably poorly. <laughs> the scenes of him climbing just look like they were rendered. Like as a screensaver. Yeah, it looks like a <laughs> Windows desktop. It is so weird, and that scene serves no purpose at all, whatsoever. It, well, Tom felt as though uh, that was the perfect way to reintroduce Ethan, as if we had forgotten about him in four years. I mean, I don't know, man. It just—it's dumb. Well, yeah, it, it, they just needed something to do with the credits, and yeah. Tom was like, "Kind of, I'll do this." <laughs> They're like, all right. And this starts yet another Mission Impossible trope, the trope of Tom Cruise damn near killing himself in every single movie that he's in. This one was the one he really leaned into doing his own stunts. Like, that became the lore that sort of overshadowed the movie. Like, I saw, I remember as a kid, like, I was, what, 14 or whatever? Like, seeing, this was, like, the internet sort of becoming a thing that you could actually find stuff and, like, know how to navigate. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing, like, behind-the-scenes footage of him actually training, learning how to fight and climb and do all the stuff and like that becoming and when you're 14 you think that shit's amazing now you're just like all right dude take it easy yeah um but yeah that i always want to go back to that that rock climbing scene because like yeah he does do the christ pose and i'm like i can only imagine how his scientology overlords feel about they that told now. him to do that shit <laughs> get the attention off us but yeah, <laughs> it, 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 fe- it honestly feels like a i mean this came out in 2011 this was like the no, la- no it came out 2000. 2000 sorry 2000 <laughs> i mixed up my words because i was gonna say it is like a totally pre 9 11 movie. There's like a level of like American exceptionalism and confidence in this that like <laughs> should not exist. It is more so than like Face Off and The Matrix. And so The Matrix, you know, was dystopic for a reason because that was 99. But like, yeah, this was like, no, we're going to be big, flashy, uh, you know, this polish to it, the cinematography, the camera's always in motion. There's like, we are celebrating how fucking rad this dude is and like American cinema at its peak. And then you know, a, a year later, you know what happened. Jeez. Wow. Attack, Jesus attack, Christ. So, attacked for this movie. Wait a minute. So we, you're saying Holy 9-11 was because of Mission Impossible 2? Maybe. I actually maybe agree with that because <laughs> this movie's fucking terrible. <laughs> I would, I would want to destroy a country behind yeah. it as well. Yeah, it, we, Jesus. We were, wow. We were rubbing people's faces at this point. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I want to get into some of the, uh, some of the more... Disturbing things in this movie that did not age well. I know we've we've been talking about the role of women in this movie is insane. I th- I think that Thandy Newton's character exists only to be like a, a, a object to, for both Sean and Ethan. To to make a movie with more degrading uh, moments for women than a Brian De Palma movie is impressive. That guy <laughs> is one of the more misogynistic and violent towards women filmmakers to ever live. This one isn't necessarily violent, but like. There's a moment where uh, um, Anthony Hopkins just shows up. Uh, he's not in the first any, one. He's not in any other one after this. He just shows up to you know, do another exposition dump of why Ethan needs to find this Chimera virus antidote. And he, encur- <laughs> he encourages Ethan to team up with Tandy Newton's character, who he had. The, opening, the first 30 minutes of this movie, 
is literally him just like having sex with her. Uh, there's no stakes. There's no mission. It's just like him coming off the mission of the first movie and being like, yeah, I'm just going to go like flamenco dancing in Spain and, and whip my long hair around and have sex with beautiful women. And he has a, a car race in a Porsche on a, with no guardrails on a high <laughs> cliff and they're like as a way of flirting with her and then like they freak out when they almost die they're like we didn't think this could happen this you were just going a thousand miles an hour on a fucking she's, road. she's hanging out of one of the cars by one arm yeah. over like a bottomless cliff and this is their meet cute this is, how, <laughs> this is their meet cute moment also none of these scenes between the two of them are like Sensual or erotic yeah. or no I feel, there's no yeah. chemistry between yeah. them well, two in the movie. Tom Cruise is asexual. So. This is his. Uh, I I felt like this movie is his his midlife crisis movie. Like I feel like he like he kind of he was pushing forty. Was yeah, 38. exactly. And and I feel like the movies like, after this subsequently like he was settled into his. I'm a I'm a dad. Like I'm I'm like the dad, you know, retired old guy role. And this one he's still trying to be young and yeah. fuck all these. Women of color. <laughs> oh, uh, hey, that's one thing I can say about these movies. Always got a woman of color in them. That is true. Uh, but yeah, uh, going back, Anthony Hopkins is saying, like, team up with this woman who she happens to be a thief and a spy as well because the big baddie, Sean Ambrose, uh, had an affair with this woman, you know, years ago or whatever. So they're going to use her as bait to, like, lure this guy in. And he's like, real I, nice. Yeah, real nice. Right? Real, real nice. And, like, yeah, she's literally a prop. And then for no fucking reason, uh, and it almost felt ad-lib because it came from like a real disdainful place. Anthony Hopkins says, um, Tom Cruise is like, I don't know if I can team up with her. I don't think she's ready for this kind of mission. He goes, all she has to do is uh, sleep with men and lie to them. She's a woman. She's prepared already. And I was just like, oh! <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? It's wild. Yeah, it's like, it's a relic of um, like a also, era. It's fucking weird. So, yeah, so Anthony Hopkins is totally asking... Ethan to ask her to basically prostitute herself. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. But, but he's like, hey, we're not asking her to do anything she hasn't already done because she <laughs> technically used to date this guy. And I'm like, that's a little messed up. It is <laughs> dark, man. Like, you watch it now, it's like you're watching as a 14-year-old boy and, like, you kind of just, like, let it wash over you. Like, it is. it was rough, man. I was like... Yanking my collar and it's, shit. It's gross. Yeah, it's, it's a really gross movie, gross and I felt movie. really bad for Danny Newton, who's like, she's actress. she's great, and she's like the best part of Westworld, and like she's I don't really know. good in this movie too for what they give yeah, her. Yeah, she's good. She's the man. They just give her yeah, garbage she, to do. Yeah, she she makes a lot from the thinly written, um, disrespectful. Script. <laughs> um, yeah, she's a great great face actress. Like she can emote really well, and like she has some pretty heartbreaking moments, and you're like, God damn it, like. Cause she was only like twenty eight at the time, and yeah. she looks really young. I'm like, oh man, like they were instantly trying to like shoehorn her in as some like damsel right away. I'm just like, come on, man. I I I want to talk about the the action sequences in here. Um, the action sequences. I don't know if you guys knew this. They were written before they actually wrote the script. Makes Sounds sense. Accurate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the action sequences. I think my favorite might be the motorcycle chase. I think it's the most memorable and most referenced for sure. Which is insanity because they both jump off of a, both of them run into each other playing chicken, <laughs> jump off motorcycles. Ethan doesn't do this in any other, any other movie after this. He jumps off motorcycles and they're shooting each, at each other. They grab each other by the arms, I believe, and they're shooting. Is that, is that face off? No, no this, is this. This, this. The, this is this. They're in the same movies, right? John Woo just, just kind of like reconfigures old action set pieces and puts them into like newer uh, scenarios. There are scenes where Tom Cruise is running full speed at people and putting them in like leg locks and then like like doing t- 
tactical roles and shooting people at like angles that you cannot hit that, anyone at. That is my favorite part. Is beyond the uh, the the doves on motorcycle chicken game, for no fucking reason. Uh, the final mission where he's breaking um, ten, or um, breaking out the, the the antidote from the, this layer that he has to infiltrate. There's a a guard who's standing by himself <laughs> in a wide open field. Tom Cruise must have been yes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm talking line. about. Because like, there's no other way to come at this guy. And he just yeah does like front flip sidekick onto his throat. And I'm just like well, you could have came up behind this guy and like broke his neck or something. Yeah, like, it is so <laughs> silly and amazing. It, it surprisingly like. For as many action scenes that it has, they're spread out so much in the movie that it almost feels like there isn't many of them, but there are a lot of action scenes in this movie. Yeah. I think they're all really bad. They're, <laughs> they're, they're badly choreographed. They're badly shot. They're For badly cut. We, Pat, I put uh, an Insta story of the infamous motorcycle yes. showdown on my Instagram, and Pat immediately commented, these cuts don't even like make sense. Like They jump into the air... They tackle each other, and then somehow they're going off the cliff, even though they're obviously falling onto the ground in the previous <laughs> shot. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. It, the, it's, I mean, it's kind of great. Like, I don't... They're really bad. Like, it, <laughs> on, like, a filmmaking level, they're not good. And, like, the woo direction would be fine if it were, like, competently made in other ways. But it's not. Like, the, the stuff is really uh, pretty bad. Uh, and I've, the pacing of this one is also the worst, I think. Like, I was surprised to see that, and this, I think this is good, all three of the first movies are t- about two hours long, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if four and five start to go over. They do. Because uh, I think Mission One is the shortest of them all. It's yeah. an hour 40. That's perfect. Dude. Yeah, it's great. Though the, Those first three, I was like, oh, this is awesome that these are all this length. But two... I checked so like, long. with a, like a, I don't know half an hour or forty five minutes left in the movie, and I was like, "How can this one only be two hours?" It feels like it is already <laughs> yeah. two hours. You get to like that horse race thing, and you're like, "Oh Jesus Christ! When does this, this end? This movie's so long." It has uh, like three endings. Also, like even though it came out in two thousand, I swear it looks and feels like a early nineties totally. low budget directed like. VHS action film. Like, it feels and looks so cheap It's like hard-boiled. Like, uh, Jean Blue's, like, 93 movie. It's like this, yeah. It, there's no physical logic, like like Pat was saying, but, like, I, like they define physics. But, like, usually John Woo has, like, a visual logic. Like, even if the, the things that are happening are so cartoonish and over the top, like, face-off. But at least, like, there's a coherence to, like, how it's shot. Like, that just isn't here in this movie because it is hyper-cut to hell, but, like, <laughs> I, I give me more of that. Like, this, this movie like wanted to like exist as its own thing because they become different movies after two. They start to become capital I important and serious movies, but and, really good movies. But though. great, yeah. That, that's not a knock. That, that could be a good thing too. But uh, yeah, this was clearly the most like uh, it was almost like Fast and Furious two or something. Like uh, <laughs> it is too fast. Like, yeah. it, it is too it fast. Is too fast, fast and furious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two Tom, two Cruise. Which yeah. is funny because like much like Ludacris in that movie who like. Starts out as like a humble mechanic, and then the next movie he is the world's greatest cybersecurity expert. <laughs> like Tom Cruise, like he does not show any of these skills in Mission Impossible One. He's a good runner and he can like fight, but like this is him like he can fly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like how did you get this good and this like uh, badass overnight? And, like, the scene when he tosses the thing back, I think, to Ving Rhames, and then also like throws an empty gun. And, and kicks like, it up, kicks up another oh, one yeah. out of the sand and turns and shoots the guy. Yeah. It, it's 
He's like he, he basically yeah he has superpowers. Yeah, he's like a superhero. Picture uh, Michael Scott's threat level midnight with a hundred million dollar budget, <laughs> yeah. and, and that is Mission Impossible yeah. too. And I, which makes me have you know holds a place in my heart, but I would not argue with anyone who says it sucks. Like I get it. Let's get to some of the tropes. <laughs> the West, did you have anything to add? Uh, before we move from this movie, I just want to say that overall, the biggest note, and I took a lot of notes on this movie. Uh, <laughs> the biggest note that kept coming back to is. This movie wants to be cool so bad. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, you know Mission Impossible? Yeah, it was all right. But fuck yeah, we're back and it's Mission Impossible 2. And we got <laughs> we got a guitar now and it's like bound, 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 bound. Like it's like everything's cooler, everything's hard rock. Like that was the, 2000 in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. He wears Everything was it's cool. It's so like new metal. It's like, it's so garbage. <laughs> it's new, new metal. Shout out, shout out to Limp Bizkit on the soundtrack. It's new metal of movies. It is. It's, it's, it's new metal impossible. Like it's. That's amazing. It, and like, I remember, I wrote down, there's like a really quick title sequence and, and in the letters, there's like, for some reason, a Spartan and a horse and a hard rock <laughs> thing. And it's just like, yeah, bro, mission impossible, right? We're back, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. And we're, um, we're going to ask my girlfriend to sleep with some other guy because she's already done it. Who cares? Whatever. Like, yeah. So some of the tropes in this movie, we have the return of masks. And we, I, didn't, I didn't touch on this with Mission Impossible 1. The Mission Impossible 1 masks, awful. It goes from Weekend at Bernie's <laughs> to literal photorealistic masks from Darkman in, like, literally no time. Um, how did you guys feel about the mask technology in Mission Impossible 2 and how many times they use this fucking trope? I think they, at the time, it was good, and that's why they used it so much, because they were proud of how much it improved <laughs> the first one. Uh, we, Justin and I were talking off mic earlier, and we're like, there are some that are just really bad uh, when characters double-cross each other, wearing each other's faces, and have like um, like a voice encoder strip that they put over their ad yeah. so they can sound like the person, too. Um, there's, they, some, there's some pretty bad ones, but there's one really great one where Sean Ambrose, the villain, has... Tom Cruise's face on, and he's talking to Tammy Newton as Tom Cruise, trying to make her uh, uh, admit she's like betraying him. Admit, yeah, she's betraying yeah. him, and like he's like rubbing his temples in anger, then rips the mask off, yeah. and it's his face making the same face. I thought that was pretty fucking good. I, I think the mask technology in general makes absolutely no logical Zero. sense. <laughs> Zero. But I will admit that it is my favorite trope of the films. Like, it's <laughs> like I can't wait to see like, oh man, is Tom gonna be Henry Cavill and Dude. fall out like? But the thing about it is, is that like, Fallout should have a mask trope. They really need a mask trope. He needs to dress up as Angela Bassett. Yeah, like I just keep that going. That would be so awesome. <laughs> take it, take it as far as possible. Like they already have like Tom Cruise being Philip Seymour Hoffman makes no sense. Like yeah, they're completely it, different body types. I love, uh, I oh, love that sequence. But we'll, let's, we'll wait on let, that. Book. No, let's let's go to three. Yeah, let's, 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 yeah, let's go to three. Okay, um, let's go to three. Let, let's take a small break and cut. And yeah. we'll go straight to Mission Possible 3. We'll awesome. be right back after this break on Late Fees.
All right, and we're back on late fees, and we're doing our not really a postmortem, but a disavowing <laughs> of all of the Mission Impossible films of the franchise. I am Justin. I'm back with my other host, Wes, Pat, Eric. Are you guys ready to dive into Mission Impossible Three? I am, and much and much like the Mission Impossible franchise, yes, we're disavowing, and then immediately welcome them <laughs> back because that's what happens at the end of all these movies. Because uh, we do love all these movies, and. Uh, in different we, ways. We, yeah, we, we just shit on two a little bit, but I think there's still some charm there. I might be alone in that, but... Um, <laughs> You're very alone in that shit. I don't love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's an atrocity. I think it uh, it has its quirks and charms. Um, but yeah, let's move on to three, and I think that was Pat's... Um, that, was, that was Pat's, Pat's assignment. Uh, and Mission Impossible 3 was released in 2006. Uh, it was directed by J.J. Abrams. It was his directorial debut, which is even wild to even say, because, I mean, this guy's doing Star Wars and shit like that. Now, um, Ethan Hunt, who is, speaking of disavowed, he was retired at the beginning of this movie. He comes back into action uh, under the, I guess, un- to find and track Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, RIP, his character, Owen Davian? Yes. And uh, so, yeah, Pat, Mission Impossible 3, what did you, what did you think? Uh, I still like Mission Impossible 3 a lot. Uh, this was the first one that I saw, actually, Um and it was awesome at the time. I think for a lot of the reasons they tried to make it awesome. Uh, I still think it's one of the better ones. Uh, and I think it did what exactly what they intended for it to do, which was like turn them into uh, like a serious, as Eric said, capital I important franchise. Uh, because you know they got Abrams, and like it was a quote unquote big deal that like he was directing this uh, because he already had like a you know. Uh, a cult of fandom behind him and uh, you know it, the, the second one was so you know late 90s early 2000s because of woo that they were like okay this is now like a you know we're keeping up with this movie and yeah. to prove it we're getting J.J. Abrams and Philip Seymour Hoffman hmm. if you thought these weren't prestigious movies they are the villain is Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah fresh off an Oscar win for Capote the, the very yeah. next movie that Philip Hoffman <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman made was was uh, Mission Impossible and I, I think there's a trend of like guys in their 40s they just won you know some high art award for you know a very dramatic turn and like the first thing they want to do is do something badass or actiony mm-hmm. and commercial like when Adrian Brody won for The Pianist uh, the next thing he did was like got buff for predators. Predators, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and then it was, you know what I mean. Like, I thought it was. Uh, remember the trailer for this with uh, Philip yes. Seymour Hoffman? His voice in this movie, I absolutely hate it. He sounds like he just woke up. You know what? He sounds like Pat. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't like his voice? In no. I, I think, think he's, he's trying too hard. I think he's one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah, I think he's really good. The Full most- disclosure: This is my favorite. This is my least favorite Mission Impossible Three. You're not gonna hear much out of me on this one. Interesting. I, I you I, like two more than this? I think I put them on the same tier. Jesus. I liked it a lot more when it came out. I, l- listen, these movies are great, okay? But it's just, I, I just like this one least. I, I don't want to steal Pat's shine here, but like I was in that boat. I, I think I liked it the least when I saw it back in the day, but I've grown more warm towards it now, and I think it was, a, like I said earlier, kind of a victim of its own cultural moment mm-hmm. where Tom Cruise was in the middle of his Scientology meltdown and divorced from Katie Holmes and all this weird shit he was doing. And then... Um, yeah, I've watched it recently, and I think, yeah, it it does the capital I important stuff in a really uh, non-condescending way, and like it, it, it translates well on the screen, I think. I do think that what it set out to achieve 
maybe it does suffer for ultimately a little bit. Like you can, especially now, feel how much it wants to be a little bit more legitimate of a franchise because mm-hmm. of all this, but it still works, and it was kind of what it needed to be. Yeah. Uh, it was be- like a necessary recalibration. Yeah, sure. and it w- it was like a necessarily necessary and believable recalibration. Like it, you know, it, it the reinvention actually worked. And you, a lot of times, reinvention fails, and you just have to wait a really long time and then start over again. Totally. And I think, like, in a post-born world where these were coming out, like, they, yeah, they wanted to be a little more grounded and practical, like a, a direct, like, refutation of the John Woo aesthetic, you know, where everything was over the top. And, you know, I agree with Pat that I think this one really is stellar. It, um, I, I, it took a while for me to grow less sour on it, but my... I guess my initial complaint is there is an all-timer bridge sequence where Owen Damien, Davian, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, uh, having escaped the clutches of Ethan Hunt um, in a daring rescue, um, ambushes him on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge uh, with, Shut up, yeah, so with, 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 with <laughs> helicopters and missiles and a crazy shootout. Huge drone. Yeah, it's actually a, one of the first like on-screen uses of drones uh, that I can recall, and, and a weaponized drone at least. And like, we and, all about. Yeah. And Eric's been keeping track. <laughs> <laughs> I have been keeping track, and uh, yeah, and in and, and that is an all-time. It is. It is. There's a tension to it. It's choreographed well. There's a rhythm that like really is like propulsive and, and crazy, and it it's like ten minutes long. It's fucking nuts, and like I think. As Justin mentioned, this was JJ's featured directorial debut. Yes. He had shot a bunch of TV, like Alias and uh, Lost well, and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that shows, like, besides this sequence, the action set pieces in this are, like, almost cut like TV in a way that I feel like uh, is, like, an air release. It kind of releases the tension a bit. But, like, uh, yeah, that bridge sequence. I know we've kind of jumped around a bit. Uh, oh, we didn't cool. really explain what this one is about because it really is it's, about it's nothing. Not, it's about nothing. Yeah. Like I, it is I, the I, ultimate MacGuffin movie. It's actually called the Rabbit's Foot. It's it's like the God's Eye. It's which like, they never explain what it is. Yeah. <laughs> they picked the, pick the right guy to do this type of MacGuffin. And again, we're going up to another Mission Impossible trope, a thing that they have to obtain or have to keep from the enemies or the bad guys. Yeah. The Rabbit's Foot this time. And I think um, I do applaud the movie for being more about the interplay between uh uh, Hoffman's character and Cruz's character, and it's like they're—it's like a cat and mouse cat game. And mouse, yeah, yeah. I really enjoy that about the movie, but I feel as though there isn't enough action in this movie at all. It's like more psychological than most of them, and I don't know if like going from two to this or seeing the ones after this, you're like, ah, this one's a little bit more slower in scale, and and it's really long too. But at least for me in this rewatch, uh, I mean, this is weird because I, I when we were picking movies, I picked. Ghost Protocol, thinking it was my favorite. <laughs> I think three is kind of becoming my favorite, and I think it's nice. because it's it is more a little psychological and it's more like character driven. Yeah. And on this rewatch, I find myself connecting more to this one because like Ethan is kind of a person in this, <laughs> and uh, like the the kind of back and forth between him and Hoffman, like. The cold open in this movie is fucking incredible. Yeah, it's really good. Like, it's really intense. Is that with the air combine or um, it's, turbines? It, it's no, it's literally like they, they put you right in the, the, the middle climax. of climax. Climax, and like Ethan has a bomb in his brain. Oh, that's right. And Hoffman is about to shoot his wife in the head. And yeah, and he's like, "Hey, tell me where this is." Yeah, real quick, that scene where he like 
I mean, it ends up not being his wife. Yeah. I, one of the most egregious mask usages in the movie because yeah. it's, a, it's like the mask use a company with like literally executing a woman like who's like got duct tape on her face, yeah. and then like it's revealed it's just be a different woman. Like but right it's after still a that, woman? yeah, it's yeah, like, it's, crazy. it's like okay, the tr- translator he was pissed at. Like you remember her? Yeah. Now she's dead. <laughs> uh, but the other great thing about uh, this like kind of rebooting of Tom Cruise's character is at the party at the beginning when it's like Tom Cruise living his normal guy life. Going to get ice and shit. Yeah. Like it just like even in his human interaction, like he has real life beat. Like he's so good at like just like being alive that like (laughs) even like having conversations with people and like hosting a party is like a cat and mouse game for him. Yeah. And, and going back, like that opening, that cold open is crazy because uh, it is the first time, A, we hear a villain mention him by neck. He knows his name, like his identity is blown. Yeah, which right? is a big plot point. In big this. plot point, yeah. And, that, and it's like a, almost contradicting what I said earlier about J.J.'s shortcomings as a TV director. This felt like very nonlinear and like the kind of way that Lost was and like a great TV writing trope where it's like, you're going to drop this bombshell right in the beginning and it's like, you see Tom Cruise broken and bloody, which he rarely is. He's sort of um, yeah, he he has clearly lost something. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and it, we see him mad and worked up in the second one. First one, he's always cool, calm, and de- collected and stuff. Um, yeah. But we can cut back. But yeah, and um, yeah, and that that sort of leads to like a, a darker, angrier Ethan that we hadn't seen. Yeah, uh, and the other installments. He's so angry that he runs across a whole town <laughs> to save his yeah. wife. There's a gif of the final running scene. Tom Cruise is a notoriously great on-screen runner. <laughs> uh, and there's a gif of him, of that scene where he's running through a small, I think they're in Thailand. They're in Shanghai. 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 And he's running through this village for a, an extended uh, single take. It feels like 13 minutes. And he's just running the straight line, and like you have a gif of it, and it's like you don't know where it ends or begins because it's <laughs> the gif of all he's, time. Yeah. He's four foot eleven, running at three thousand miles an hour. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really. I mean, even like watching it on screen, like unfold is like wow. They, who was like editing this? Like, yeah. How, where's 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 the extended cut of this? I love I love that Philip Seymour Hoffman's like big motivation in the movie is like. Ethan like hung him out of an airplane for like a second, and he's like, "Oh man, I'm gonna kill your wife." <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna kill her in front of you. Yeah, Phil Seymour oh, was like, he had bars for Tom Cruise's <laughs> hey, ass. He, he was off. vengeful. Yeah. He was just like, "You hung me out of an airplane, sir." No, he says, <laughs> he, <laughs> "Sir, he's how dare you?" He sir. says the classic villain thing of like, you can always tell somebody's character by. How well they treat people that they don't need to, whatever, and you're like, oh wait, so this is where you're like a complicated villain now. Yeah, yeah. That's your line like, for establishing that. Villain is like it's not really a developed character, but because it's Seymour Hoffman, he's like, you, you get it. Like you're like, yeah, man, like, yeah, I get it. This guy pissed you off. All right, you're gonna kill his wife. Cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and he's like upset immediately. Philip Seymour oh, so is insulted. like in those line readings. He's so pissed. Yeah, and wasn't Owen Davian, he was just like a, a businessman, right? He's he, like a middleman for like, like yeah, yeah. yeah, he's like an arms dealer, basically. Arms, yeah, yeah, arms dealer, like, okay. he, he sells stuff like the rabbit's foot yeah. all the time. No, it's literally like, if they hadn't gotten Hoffman, like, the character would not have stood out at all. Yeah. And uh, also, I gotta give some props to uh, my boy, 
Billy Crudup. Yeah. Being a secret villain. He's great. Oh, he's, he's one of the, he helps sell the whole movie. Yeah. He's like one of my favorite parts. I, I love Billy Crudup. <laughs> so it's like, when he popped up on this rewatch, I was like, one, I didn't remember he was in the movie. And then, two, I forgot he was the secret villain. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, going back to um, like the brutality that I said didn't really exist in the f- uh, subsequent films after number one. The death of Carrie Russell in this is pretty oh, gnarly. Yeah, it's uh, wild. There's a it's lot of thing. there's a lot of nasal cavity micro bombs being inserted into people's brains, and you don't really see them go off because it's like a, it doesn't. It's not an explosion. It's like a it snaps a. It's neuron. an extremely miniature explosion yeah. <laughs> inside of a skull. Yeah, and so like they rescue her in this really impressive set piece where they're in a helicopter weaving in out of these um, uh, co- turbines uh, in California and. They think they rescued her, and they don't know this thing is inside her brain. So when it goes off, it's like her eyes just like snap into the back of her head. It's it's pretty pretty rough. It's man. really gross. PG thirteen movies. Yeah, it's it's probably the grossest, most horrific thing that happens in the whole series. And yeah, it's just what happens with her eyes. It's, it's really yeah, <laughs> and it happens like really shortly oh. after he almost like you think he's going to execute Michelle Monaghan. Like it, those yeah. are with those are like back to back scenes. Oh, dude, and it happens because he's literally waiting. For um, what are they called? The defibrillator pads. Yeah. yeah. Too load. It's load time. <laughs> like goddamn yeah. load time. Yet another trope. The, there's a big load time when he's waiting for Philip Seymour's voice to load. Oh into yeah. The pads. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Load times are the also, enemy. Uh, so Ethan Hunt. It was a it was a, a fusing of two tropes where a mask swap of Tom Cruise wearing Seymour, Philip Seymour Hoffman's face, but then also waiting for his voice to load in his throat so he could. Uh, carry on pretending to be him at this party as they're trying yeah. to do some espionage. Now, before we get away from this, Mission Impossible Three is very is a very weird period for Tom here, and, yeah. and we're gonna go get into our leafies kind of thing here, where we're like talking about like just the bad stuff that's kind of happening. This is when the Scientology shit breaks, like around the time the Scientology shit kind of breaks. Tom Cruise is believed to allegedly had a South Park episode canceled. Because it was a Trap in the Closet episode where they're talking about Tom Cruise and his Scientology stuff. And he told Viacom that if they weren't going to, if they didn't pull the episode, he was going to do no promotion yes. for Mission Impossible. Yeah. Um, and then the, I remember that the interviewer, he literally said, do you think I care about this? I have no clue this is happening. Now, do you guys think Tom Cruise actually made that threat? Because the, the episode did get pulled and he did do the promotion anyway. I think, sadly, he did. Oh, yeah. No, he totally did. I... Dude, he, he, this is complicated because I think I probably shouldn't even say this because, like, I am genuinely afraid of them. But I think Scientology <laughs> is like pretty terrible, and they're taking advantage of people. And like, the fact that he's a part of that is such a super bummer. Like, but I've also heard he's super nice, so I don't know. He it's has all, to be. That's how they get you. It's all weird and gross. Yeah, him and Miskovich are like when he came out. There's like if you watch uh, Going Clear and like there's that documentary footage of him coming out to like. A stadium full of people cheering him, and there's like a mural of him in the background. Yeah. He, he's like dressed like a general. It's <laughs> fucking dark, man. Like, yeah, it is. It is a twisted um, cult. But yeah, do they? And they have the power too. They are absolutely a religion because they're tax free, and that's why they have so much fucking money to weaponize themselves. Oh, but boy. that that South Park episode um, air, like it still airs. Yeah, like, it does. It, it's Tom Cruise is in the closet with uh, John Travolta, <laughs> um, which you know. I just had to get the Eric political moment off <laughs> for the episode, yeah. even if it's a bonus episode. So do we keep Mission Impossible 3 
or do we send it back? Or do we disavow it? That's keep it. I say keep it. Yeah, I say keep it. It's pivotal. I disavow it. It's very important to the series. It, it basically gets it back on track, and it establishes a directing career for J.J. And, uh, yeah, it's a turnkey moment to, yeah, the more clear-eyed uh, through line of these movies where it's like there is a... We care about these characters now. It's like a group of familiar faces going through these missions together with like a distrustful government and their as their um, commander, but also as their like enemy in a way. It's like yeah. frenemy uh, territory. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It is actually like a clear-eyed movie and yeah, a victim of its own cultural moment. I think. So now we're moving on to Mission Impossible Four: Ghost Protocol. Wes, what's the verdict? What do you think about it? <laughs> Uh, actually, and, and actually, just for background for this movie, I think a lot of people probably saw this movie already, more more so than the older ones. Mission Possible Ghost Protocol came out in 2011. It was directed by Brad Bird of, of the the uh, Incredibles fame. Uh, this one is a little bit more of a. Uh, I, I think it's more of like really like we, we compared it to the Fast this Fast series. This is like it's Fast Five yeah, of it's the fast of five. the uh, Mission Impossible franchise. They're doing some. I said this already. This is the funniest movie I've seen all year. This movie is so fucking absurd that I it just beyond anything, even the tropes are hilarious because it's almost like the movie is poking fun at itself. It sometimes. Yeah. Uh, so it's weird. Like I um, went into thinking it was my favorite, and I don't think it is anymore. <laughs> but uh, with that said, it's still like a pretty colossal like achievement of blockbuster filmmaking it's like the ultimate popcorn movie this movie is nothing but popcorn yeah it's just like gag after gag set piece after set piece yeah. just like it's popcorn yeah in an essence in a nutshell and essentially like, the main plot of this movie there really isn't one uh, but there there is yeah, disavow disavow <laughs> the, the, crim, the kremlin is bombed and then tom cruise and the imf get blamed for it i like guess how everyone yeah Everyone, they get blamed for a terrorist attack because they happen to be in the vicinity. I think that's how the last three movies are kickstarted. You don't even have to talk about, like, you can't even talk about plot when talking about this movie. The only thing to talk about is, like, the set pieces. Like, it is literally just set pieces. It's like, oh, like, Tom getting out of that Russian prison Mm -hmm. at the beginning. That movie, that that part's just cool. And then he, he, like, leans over to Paula Patton and he's like, hey set the fuse (laughs) (laughs) that part is fire bro that part is awesome and then it's like we move right into like hey we're going into the Kremlin and then they have that crazy thing where they're like doing that that sheet Mm -hmm. that's like a projection sheet and it's like constantly moving and they're like keep tricking the guards shout out to Simon Pegg who uh, he he gets upgraded in this movie to an actual agent Uh, so so he's on the field much like Ving Rhames is Uh, he's barely in this movie like we said before Uh, but that that uh, scene or that set piece has multiple tropes in one. It oh, has yeah. the masks, it has the gadgets, and it has uh, really the woman doing nothing during the, during that scene as well because she's just like outside. Yeah, Paula Patton <laughs> has uh, nothing to do with this movie. She's not given too much to do. Like she kills she, someone. She does, and she she's like the she's out for revenge because like her boyfriend agent got shot yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, and brutally. That's about it. Yeah. Um, isn't this the movie where, like, I know th- two was where Tom was known for doing his own stunts in, like, hand-to-hand combat, but I think four was when it really became, like, oh, he's jumping off the Burj Khalifa yes, for real. Yeah. He's With doing these, fucking gloves on. These and, stunts are for real. Kind uh, of. But, I mean, honestly, people, like, remember this movie, and I think they remember it because the main set piece is the, was it the Burj Khalifa? Burj Khalifa, yeah, the tallest building in the world. Is this still the tallest building in the yep. world? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, they're like, oh, Tom, it looks like you're going to have to climb this thing. And, like, I rewatched it last night at, like, 1.30 in the morning, and I was, like, really tired. I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this movie. And I, like, I definitely woke up, like, in that scene still. Like, the <laughs> minute he steps over that ledge and the camera, like, points downward. Oh, God. And it's with IMAX cameras. Yeah. It's, like, it's... Is it post Dark Knight? It's post Dark Knight. Knight. Yeah. yeah, people are starting to use IMAX cameras, and like you just feel, feel it. It's real. It. Tom's really like on the ledge of this building. And no it, cables. Well, he did that. He had cables. Yeah, he, I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I hope he had cables. Yeah, like, he did. He had cables. Like it is. Like I started sweating on my couch. <laughs> like it, you feel it. You can't not feel it. It's Were you real. wearing a shirt? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was soaked in sweat. Went to bed soaked in sweat. <laughs> no, like no, like it. You can't not feel it because it's real and it's like amazing action set piece and there's like comedy bits in it and there's like horror bits in it with like the glove failing. And yeah, like, and that's a, that's it's a, so good. That's a testament to Brad Bird's um, direction. I know uh, that was his first live action film. Like he had, he had a storied career in animation. Like he yeah. did Iron Giant and Ratatouille and, and The Incredibles, where he was always celebrated for how action looked, his animated action look. Mm-hmm. This was his first live action. So like the fact that, you know, not every set piece is as, as, as thrilling as that one, but like that, to, to inject the comedy, like Renner like kind of ribbing Tom Cruise as he's hanging out the window, like yeah. talking shit a little bit. Yeah, and like you said, the scope of that um, of, of that shot when he, he goes over the side of the, of the Burj Khalifa is, uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty dizzy and, and awesome. And it's like that leads into like this whole thing with like them tricking people on two separate floors and they like redo the the door plaques to trick them so good and then it leads right into this huge chase action scene where someone gets knocked out of the window and then (laughs) and then there's a sandstorm that comes and then tom is running in a sandstorm and then there's cars in the sandstorm it's like it's non-stop (laughs) that third act is the third act is insane but i would say like that stuff is so good that the minute that sandstorm is over i actually kind of lose interest in the movie Mm -hmm. like I don't. Do you run, like the car park scene at the end? It runs out it's of steam. A, it's fine. Yeah. I what I hate. You know what I hate is uh, Jeremy Renner in a air vent. Oh, I, I was going to talk about Jeremy Renner. Uh, he's not good in that, this movie. He's not good. That poor guy. And man. he was. It looked like they're he was trying not so. They're trying so hard to make him the new Ethan Hunt. Yeah. And I feel as though like this might have been them kind of conceding like, okay, Tom, you're getting kind of old. Let's bring in Jeremy Renner, much like they did with the Bourne series, and it just it. They saw this movie and they were like, nah, you were like the least, he's like the least illuminating part of this movie. I think Tom, it was it was almost like Michael Jordan going to his high school speech <laughs> yeah. and uh, graduation and like talking shit. No, uh, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Hall of Fame and like talking shit about the guy who made it to the team, like the varsity team or whatever. Uh, he's like, now nah, look at me. Like Tom Cruise is like, oh, you want to bring this young scrapper into my <laughs> franchise? I'm gonna jump off the Burj Khalifa and, yeah. and and put him in his place. It was like yeah, some petty infighting on screen. You can uh, put him in an air vent, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> no, well, top, stuff well, him in an air vent. Ethan dead ass doesn't he jump off of like fuck off of like the car park just to save the world? Yeah, no, he like drives a car. Like, yeah, off. yeah, he drives a yeah. car off, and it, it's like okay, so I really believe Tom was in that car, and he was <laughs> he was he did all of those stunts, by the way. But he, like it ups the ante in the Ethan Hunt stunts that will be clearly. Blown away in Rogue Nation after this after this movie because the stunt in that movie, it still defies logic because he really did that shit too. Yeah. That, we're talking about the plane scene. Yeah, yeah. It um, yeah. It, I agree with Wes, or I I, I kind of relate to Wes. Where like I for some reason in my head I thought this was the best one, but after rewatching it, you're kind of like 
I don't know. Maybe like, it is three like, and the, one. The villain is like some guy that I think wants to blow up the world. Like I, I don't remember. Yeah. Like, like I watched it last night. and I'm like, I don't remember the guy's name. And who I, is it? It's actually the guy from uh, the original girl with the dragon tattoo. He's also in John Wick. Um, oh, I know you're talking about. I'm blanking on the, the guy's dad in John Wick. Yeah. They're like, yeah. He's actually dead. Did you know that? In real life? Yeah, he's dead. Oh. He got Let's lung, show him respect got, and actually get his name right. Yeah, he got, <laughs> he got lung cancer. Um, he smoked a huge joint at the end of John Wick. My God. You want to say his name? Michael N- N- Nyquist? Yeah, Michael Nyquist. R.I.P. Damn. Yeah. Rest in peace, God. Um, but yeah, it... it I, I mean, let me run that back. I, I always held one as the best. Mission Impossible 1. But I thought in the later, in the latter half of the, of the franchise, I, I don't know why I propped up Ghost Protocol as my favorite. Uh, I really do think it, it is three for me. But um, yeah, it does. The not, name was too cool, Ghost Protocol. <laughs> you, you thought it was the best. <laughs> the, uh, the, it does run out of steam in, in the third act because I think there is just set piece after set piece. And in a way that still is more grounded than two, but like I think where uh, Brad Bird's direction is really great on the Burj Khalifa because it's like sort of this static. Uh, set piece where it's like in this one building um, where like Tom has to run away from this, this, the uh, sandstorm and all that other shit it's like he, he doesn't have the the like the, the, the grasp on shooting those sequences like maybe like Doug Liman or Paul Greengrass does um, for like the Jason Bourne movies but um, yeah Ghost Protocol I mean it's good it, it, it is not a waste of two hours for, by any means but yeah it's like just it's pure popcorn 100% and Story is not that important. No, Char- Character is not that important. Yeah, I, I they, couldn't tell you what it's about. Say, there's an exposition where they say, where he enacts Ghost Protocol, IMF is destroyed. You're the last IMF members ever. <laughs> you have no resources. You have no help. No one's coming to get you. You're fucked. You're going to die. He dies. And then out of nowhere, they still get help. Yeah. Who dies? They still have gadgets. The, the guy who's telling them about Ghost Protocol. Tom Wilkinson. Yeah, Tom Wilkinson. Oh, he, he does die in this one. Literally, right. immediately. Get shot Like... Immediately after it happens, and then they're running again. It's like, wait a minute, they do get help, they do get gadgets, they're fine. They have like, it makes no because they have that big that big rig where they have all the guns and shit. At, and it's like, wait a minute, they listening to that. I'm like, I never felt any danger in that movie, and I think that's the issue. It, and it's kind of like an ongoing issue with these movies. Like, there's really no stakes. Like and Ethan Hunt in this film, like, so he was like kind of a grounded character in three with like feelings and personality and yeah you need his family one, and shit yeah and this one he's literally like a god he is a ghost <laughs> yeah. he's a ghost he, like he's he can jump off the Burj Khalifa he can just get out of a Russian prison yeah with a snap of a finger he literally disappears into smoke at the end of the film like <laughs> that's rad he is but not, you find out his wife is still alive yeah you find out his wife's still alive he gives her like a little look and he he disappears into smoke like he is not a person anymore all right. In so too will, deep. Will we keep this one or will we disavow Ghost Protocol? I, think I, I vote we, keeping it. You got to keep it. I think you got to keep it. Yeah. I would, I would say the, the keeps are one, three, and four. Two is up in the air. I'm, I'm the lone two. You're defender. the lone defender of two. That's, in this yeah, that's room. the story of my life, baby. Just so, um, did on. anyone watch Rogue Nation? I, I watched it recently. I didn't watch it during the week. Yeah, I watched it like a, maybe a month or two. I've probably seen it once since I saw it in the, in the theater. It I've was only, just. I've only seen it in the theater. It was just kind of like a worse version of four. 
Well, it, is it, it continues more grounded? It's got to be more grounded. It's not more grounded. This is really? a movie where you're hanging off a fucking plane. But it was but, all practical. But it, I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's got to be a little more grounded. I, I remember the thing I remember the most about Rogue Nation is uh, really liking Rebecca Ferguson's character. She's yes. like the first real strong female character of the series. Yeah, it took him five movies. To do that. <laughs> um, I, well, this was a continuation from the last movie uh, in that the IMF is still disbanded and this time the MacGuffin is Syndicate. And they got to figure out if yeah. Syndicate is real or not, yeah. and who is who's a part of Syndicate. It it, it is real. <laughs> yeah, Alec syndic- Baldwin is in this movie, by yeah. the way. Uh. The Syndicate. <laughs> just as we're talking about strong female characters, we have like the Me Too hater Alec Baldwin, a rape apologist, piece of shit. Um, wow. But but turn yeah, that up. Yeah. Once again, the the plot is like yeah, it's like background noise. It's the Syndicate is like this this rogue group who wants to eradicate the IMF, so they're, like, picking off IMF. Um, the former IMF people. Yeah, or, yeah. So, so Ethan and his crew are tasked to find them, and then, of course, they get blamed for uh, everything, like everything else. Jeremy um, Renner's back. Renner's back. Big mistake. Uh, but the, the, the best... The, <laughs> geez, big mistake. Uh, the best part about this is that it's, it introduces us to the Christopher McQuarrie... Yes. Uh, who directed Fallout. Yeah, Division... Or, Christopher McQuarrie vision of these movies because he directed this and this was uh, for its lack of uh, memorable moments there is that one that everyone talked about was Tom Cruise strapping himself to the side of an Airbus and actually going in off takeoff like a plane took off with him strapped to the side of it and I feel like there's there's definitely images that really stand out and I remember specifically the like opera sequence like just being like I, that, that part it, and the, the opera sequence takes um, elements of every single one of these types of scenes from the movie where you have to be silent he's hanging from something yeah. uh, there's something going on where if he makes one mistake he'll fall I, I, really, I think they bring back the same concept of like the sweat dropping yeah. with this one where he actually drops yeah. in this one it, and I, I think that um, look, Rogue Nation plays the hits and I, I don't think it's like the greatest one of them all I don't think it's the best one I think it's probably like more thumbs in the middle but as far as playing the hits, he got it nailed down. And that's why I hope with the new movie, he'll come into his own and find his own things to do. And I hope it's not trope heavy as, as, as these movies have gotten. Yeah, it, it, besides the Airbus moment, I don't remember anything from this movie. Maybe because I, <laughs> I saw it a long time ago. I mean, it was a couple months 20, ago. But, 2015. Yeah, okay. but, yeah. I, but I, I remember I watched it this year. It was, like, uh, it was streaming or somebody had it on. I watched it. I was like, this is good. I, I don't know. I might put Ghost Protocol over it. I'm not sure. But, um, but it, this was the movie, however, that solidified my theory about Tom Cruise, who was trying to die on screen. Yes. Because death is the only way you can escape is Scientology. <laughs> so he's, this is his cry for help. When you see him, like, when you watch the BTS moments of, like, him coming down off the plane after he strapped himself to the side, like, McQuarrie and all the stunt coordinators are, like, high five, and Like, he did it. Tom's, like, looks solid. He's, like, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it for sure. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> I'm sure the plane was going to be the one that yeah. got me. Yeah. Dad asked like, the Macquarie, like, can we do it again? <laughs> Tom, <laughs> Tom, we got it. What do you mean? <laughs> so, I, I don't feel as though when it came up, like, let, get me like 30 feet. You know, I, like, yeah. Let's just do a new stunt. I'll just let yeah. go. He's trying to get out, man. I don't blame him. The, the, the Xenu uh, is commanding it. This uh, this new one, Fallout, is also coming out. Like, if, if 5 came out in 2015... Which this is the I looked this up. I think it's the least amount of time between two movies. Yeah, like, is, yeah, yeah. is this like two and a half, three years, or whatever mm-hmm. it is? Uh, but this one is kind of now coming. I I'm sure there's going to be some 
just insanely memorable shit in it because it's now coming out kind of after other franchises have also blown up like in the self-escalation yeah. way that they started to do with three. Yeah. Uh, like fast has done that. Uh, you know, other stuff has done that. I'm sure that like, I'm just not being able to think of right now, but hmm. you know, it's, I'm sure they're going to have up the ante a little bit. Yeah. He, um, I think in this one, he does the, the halo jump, the high altitude, low open. <laughs> Apparently it's He's like, fucking insane. They they shot it for like a hundred days because you only get three minutes of um, like when the sunlight was right a day, so like yeah I was reading like they for a hundred days he did a hundred jumps Halo jumps. What are what an expensive uh, stunt? Yeah. Just for someone who wants to die. You could have fixed you could have fixed Flint's water on the half like for one day of this. Uh, so I'm just glad our priorities are straight. Uh, Jesus Christ! We're <laughs> talking about movies. Um, Sorry, guys. <laughs> Paramount, are you listening? <laughs> Skydance, are you listening, uh, motherfucker? But yeah, he did, so he did the halo jump. <laughs> he actually knows how to fly helicopters, so he choreographed the, sh- the, the from the trailer. Him, He's actually flying that helicopter when, um, uh, what's his name, Henry Cavill, another Me Too. Um, God. Uh, oh, Vic, man, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> den- uh, denying Me he Too. Apologized. He apologized. He's still an idiot. Uh, just load your fists and shut up. Um, but yeah, in that in that shootout with him in the helicopter, um, when he when he makes the makes the helicopter go sideways, yeah, Tom Cruise really f- was flying the helicopter when that happened, and like yeah, he does like a a rope dangle from the helicopter. He wants to fall. Yeah, he wants. This is a movie. He broke his ankle when he, he jumped off the roof. Yeah. that pic, that should be. We should find the, the the jump picture and make that the title or the the cover of this. Okay, yeah. He's like jumping. He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's obviously not going yeah. to make it. <laughs> the, the first week of shooting, like you can see it in the trailer, Tom Cruise throws a chair out of a window, then jumps from to another building. Did it no cables, just like a pad underneath it. But he didn't calculate the jump, and like his ankle clips the other side of the building and breaks. Yeah. So the rest of the movie, he's running and shooting on a broken ankle. My favorite thing is he like completes the shot. Yeah. Like he like totally just keeps running with a broken ankle, and then they're like cut, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm hurt." Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling Tom. Totally said I could jump another one if you want me to. Yeah, I can. I can he, do that. Too. He's pushing sixty, and he. This is how he. This is how he's gonna go, man. I mean, I can't run around the block. So yeah, but yeah. I, he looks so good. Yeah, him and <laughs> think about it, him. And, think about this. Him and John Stewart are the same age. Look at those like faces together. Well, John Stewart needs to get on his fucking job. Tom Cruise is he's ready. He's Jewish. He can't help it. He's fucking ready. Well, uh, <laughs> Mission Possible Rogue Nation. Uh, Eric is Jewish too, so <laughs> I can that. make that joke. <laughs> Rogue Nation. I, I don't. I mean, you guys haven't seen it close enough. I think we've all. That's that's the most we're like so far removed from. I think it's, yeah, it's a fine movie. Yeah, it's I can keep it. it. It's I, a great I gotta rewatch it, but I keep it. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm, I'm gonna rewatch it before this other one comes yeah. out. Yeah, it's, I, a, it's the one that's the actual direct sequel. Yeah, it's right? a direct sequel to Fallout. And, and it's funny, none of us picked this one to watch. So and like, I mean, that's kind of like speaks to it. Like, we'd it's all. It's too recent. I yeah, think it yeah. It was too recent. So, uh, Mission Impossible series, we're big fans of it. Uh, I have one more question I have to ask Do you prefer Bond movies or Ethan Hunt Mission Impossible movies? Hmm. That's a good question because even though it might be apples and oranges, there was some overlap of like Mission Impossible 2 kind of feels like a Brosnan era GoldenEye movie. Yeah. Like just wacky gadgets, big bombastic um, action sequences. Um, And then, you know, these latter Bond movies where they do, they are a little more sullen and and serious and like the same Raimi, uh, what was the last one? The uh, Spectre. Spectre. 
um, that kind of felt like Mission Impossible 3. You know, I like Sam 3. Raimi. You mean uh, Mendes. Sam Mendes. I always yeah. say that. Sam Mendes. God, I wish it was Raimi. Uh, <laughs> uh, it kind of felt like in tone like Mission Impossible 3, even though I think MI3 is better. Um, and then, but yeah, then, yeah, they started to take themselves really seriously. They had uh, my my boy um, uh, Deacons was the DP on um, was it Casino Skyfall. Sky, Skyfall. So they became like beautiful movies, but lacked uh, any sort of like internal substance. Uh, but I don't know, man. I think um, I'm, I'm rambling here, but I I think the MI, Mission Impossible movies for what they've done in six films in twenty years have more rewatchability value than the more recent Bond movies. Yeah, yeah I, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I actually, what I would say is I think, I love Casino Royale. Uh, I think it's really fucking good. The perfect movie to me. I would put it probably above any of the Mission Impossible movies. I like it so much. Uh, Who directed that again? Uh, Martin Campbell. Yeah, I, I didn't even know. I didn't know. Uh, I really don't know. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I know people love Skyfall. I think it's good, obviously. But I don't love it that much. Uh, but I think Casino Royale is fantastic overall. I mean, just like the, I guess you kind of have to compare like the later Mission Impossible's to the new James Bonds. But the Mission Impossible movies are definitely better Ethan, overall. Ethan Hunt is just a better to me uh, cipher for these movies than uh, the what's his name Owen. What's what's the guy? The, the, the Bond. Bond? The, the guy who Daniel Craig. Bond. Yeah, Daniel Craig. He's Bond. Doesn't want to be Bond. Um, I think he's a way he's better. Trapped. <laughs> he's trapped. Yeah, talk about another. Like he wants to die metaphorically, <laughs> while Tom Cruise wants to literally die. But he wants out of these movies, and it shows on screen, like, which kind of makes me like it because this dude is like not happy to be he there. He does not want to be in yeah. the movie. Yeah, and Stop the, making them. They try to like write it like 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 Bond. It like has resentment towards MI6 anyway, but uh, they can't keep up with how much actual resentment Craig has. They can't write enough resentment into the role. But yeah, so West. Uh, I'm gonna go Bond. Sorry. Fair, All right. Fine. Yeah. 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 That's I, fair. It's just. It's just. A, you know. It's a fair question. I, I, I. I'm not. Not either way. Descent, I, Daddy. I, I grew up with Bond. Uh, my grandfather was huge into it. My dad was into it. And uh, I, I don't know. I think he Bond is more culturally important, um, if not a little more problematic. Yes. Um, but, more so um, than Ethan in, in Mission Impossible. I would say Casino Royale as a whole is a better movie than any movie in the Mission Impossible franchise. And, uh, wow. I think, yeah. I think Daniel Craig's, off, King. Daniel Craig's Bond is a really fascinating character and, uh, he's way more interesting than Ethan Hunt who is not really a character. And, uh, That's a good point. But, uh, I, I enjoy the Mission Impossible series. I, I think it's important and, uh, I look forward to Tom Cruise doing crazy shit. Um, uh, to entertain us uh, and die <laughs> and die. But yeah, this is this is like a long advertisement for Fallout, so they better pay us. I'm, I'm hashtagging the shit. Right, let's get. Wait till we, they hear our real ArcLight commercials coming up. Oh yeah, we got some commercials. Oh yeah, we've been up. in talks with, uh, with ArcLight. Yeah, we'll, you'll hear more later. We are real ArcLight members. It's in my it's in my on my like Twitter account. You can see I'm an ArcLight member. So. I will, I'll shill for MoviePass, too, if they throw us the bag. I'll do some uh, nasty things for AMC, uh, <laughs> for those AMC passes, too. Um, all right, so I uh, I know you're going to wrap everything up, yeah. but, you know, it is the the crux of this bonus app, which I think, you know, we mostly said positive things about the ones we liked and casted a little bit of doubt on the, the weaker uh, 
elements and tropes of these movies. But like, I would say overall, this is America's best franchise. Um, it hasn't produced like the toxic fandom that we see with the oh, other man. other universes. Oh, it's coming! Don't worry. I don't. I don't. But, <laughs> but like I said, like who would it be about? No one cares about Tom Cruise enough outside of it. It's like because I think it is like this sort of practical, grounded thing. It's impossible to you know create an identity around it. Like yeah. you said, nobody watched the fucking TV show, the Baby Boomer show. Um, this is Tom Cruise's. That's why I like him going to the Mummy and like the Dark Universe shit was so weird because I was like. You're doing great. You're doing fine. Like you have Mission Impossible. They only come yeah. out like every four years. No one's tired of these movies. Yeah. Why go to something that some people are invariably going to be tired oh, of? God. I think he got. He's like, I can do it twice. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. The and now that's just bad. It blew up in his face, and now it doesn't work anymore. I'm so glad you just brought that up. Do you guys remember when the trailer dropped with no audio? Yes. yes, it was just Tom screaming. That was <laughs> one of the that was one of the funnier. <laughs> it's one of the best things ever, ever happened. Like the best internet moment. The Mummy trailer dropped early. Like someone leaked it, but there was uh, some of the the tracks, the audio tracks, were missing from the sequence. Which, if you work in post, yeah. which a few of us here do, uh-huh. you know they like accidentally just Exported muted it, yeah. muted those tracks <laughs> On or the or soloed the dialogue track by <laughs> yeah. accident so, and then exported it. So the big teaser moment in the teaser of the mummy where like Tom the a bunch of bats <laughs> fly, fly into the cockpit, but there's no music, so all you hear is oh! and then Tom Cruise screaming as the to- <laughs> but, but 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 no audio of the plane or the music. It it was surreal and it was quickly removed, but like it was the hardest I'd laugh in two years. <laughs> so good. It's, it's literally like they they hit the plane and everybody goes, huh! Yeah. <laughs> it was like a stock, it was like a stock sound. Like, uh! And like, no, no human oh, aids. And noise. the girl gets sucked out of the plane and she goes, yeah. it, it was unreal, dude. Once again, The Mummy, another movie where Tom Cruise wants to die. Yeah. Maybe that's, yeah, he's just trying to find other outlets, you know what I mean? Um, Speaking of wanting to die, the it's, next episode of Late Fees. We'll have Will Smith. Oh man, we're, we're going to be watching Bright. We're going <laughs> hard into Scientology, huh? Yes. Yeah. These are the Scientology yeah. slash we're, summer blockbuster episodes. These are our Scientology Scientology bookends, and uh, I just want to think. I just want to say it's really good that people are uh, proliferating Will Smith's Instagram videos with, that are just propaganda for Scientology. Pro- they are initiation <laughs> videos. <laughs> yeah. The one where he does the, uh, the the In My Feelings challenge on top of the, the, the roof, there are people like, how does he do it? And I was like, you don't want to know how yeah. he does that. <laughs> Click subscribe right yeah. below and see. Will Smith, hit- I, and we'll talk about this on the episode. Yeah. Like, Will Smith scares me. Will like, literally him. scares me. We'll say, yeah, he's too positive. I don't I'm going to send you guys the, the link to his interview uh, that he does with Elliot Wilson. Uh, on title and it is a scary interview and people are thinking that the things that he says is like so profound he's like love is not luxury it's peace or something like that and i'm like you are reading these off of fortune cookies and people are taking them but i'll get more to, i'll get more into that uh next episode of late beast we'll be we'll be talking about the career of will smith this should be very very interesting we're watching bright wes are you going to watch bad boys 2 before you before we watch that before, uh, before we do that maybe I watched Bad Boys 1, and boy, do I have some things to talk about. You have to watch Bad Boys 2, though. Yeah, it's much better. You gotta better. watch Bad Boys 2. One of the greatest action movies of the 21st century. I'm, we're de- I'm dead serious. Maybe. It's everyone's homework after this episode to watch Bad Boys 2. Uh, watch Bright. <laughs> if you haven't watched it already. If you haven't watched Bright, uh, it's... Good luck. Yeah. Good luck, buddy. 
so yes, until next time, thank you for listening to Late Fees. And as always, you can check us out on RNC Radio Live on Twitter. Uh, check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We should be having the Spotify link up by the time this episode drops. So we're going to be on Spotify. Don't worry about it. Woo! There will be so many ways for you to listen to this, this podcast and so many more. As always, you can listen to the A-Show, uh, The Lookout, which has some very cool Dragon Ball Z uh, stuff about the new Dragon Ball Z Broly movie. And, of course, Two Belts with Meals. Everything on the RNC Radio slate. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Anything else from the host of this prestigious show? Scientology is good. No, it's <laughs> not. <laughs> Wes has a really good Scientology story, too. Maybe I'll tell it next episode. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, tell it yeah. next episode. Tell it next episode. Pat? Uh, everybody should go see American Animals. It's good. He has been uh, chugging hard yeah. for this movie. No one has seen it. Go see 8th Grade. Bill Burnham made a bunch Also see Gotti. We got to have this. <laughs> we got to have this talk about Gotti. Uh, but until next time, the video store is closed. See you guys later. Peace. Bye. Woo.